It was the most embarrassing thing and also the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I love Garth Brooks. <laughs> On this inaugural edition of Broadcast Bulletin, we'll talk with former Memphis and Nashville reporter Shelby Sandstone-Stevens. She will share the moment she knew she wanted to get into the industry. My job was the news reporter. It was a very coveted role. Her unique journey to getting hired at a top 50 market at just 21. And my dad called me and he was like, hey, I met um, a lady who works for Fox 13. Some things that surprised her about the industry when she started working in it. You cannot do anything to your hair unless wow. you get manager's permission first. And so much more. This is Broadcast Bulletin. All right, let's get started. Welcome to our very first episode of Broadcast Bulletin. I'm Jacob Brooks. And I'm Jim Stanton. That's right, as Jacob just said, this is indeed our very first episode of Broadcast Bulletin. We're releasing on every Thursday, every week, starting today, until sometime in the spring, and that will make up season one. That's probably going to be around April or May. We chose Thursdays because that's the perfect day, in our opinion, to build up anticipation for the weekend and give you something to look forward to listening to. If you haven't watched or listened to our trailer yet, we encourage you to do so. That trailer will go into detail on why we launched the podcast, some guests we will have coming up, and our expectations going into the future. Without further ado, let's introduce today's guest by taking a look at some of her work. Good morning, Memphis. I'm Shelby Sansone. It's approaching 6.30 on this Saturday morning. A lot of people who experience panic attacks can start to feel tightening in their chest. It's a busy day for Trader Joe's employees. The store opened at 9 this morning, and you can see it's been crowded ever since. Laura and I watched as police put this police cruiser right outside of City Hall. Shelby Stevens, News 4 Nashville. So, you just saw who our first guest is. She's one of our biggest supporters in this endeavor. We're talking about Shelby Stevens. Some of you might also know her under the name of Shelby Sansone, which was her maiden name before she got married last year. She's originally from Collierville, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Memphis. She attended the University of Mississippi, which is better known as Ole Miss. And there she anchored for the college newscast, Newswatch Ole Miss. It was at Ole Miss she received an internship at WTVA in Tupelo, Mississippi. She graduated from college a year early in 2016 and landed at Fox 13, WHBQ-TV, right out of school. So she'll tell us how she landed in a top 50 market at just 21. From there, she landed at WSMB. She was there for about a year and a half. She ended up leaving TV news last year as her husband received a job opportunity they just couldn't pass up that brought them to Maui, Hawaii. And while she didn't realize it at the time, it turned out to be a complete departure from TV news. Shelby and husband lasted about a year on the island before the mainland came calling again, and she's now a content writer in the marketing department of an IT company in the Dallas area. Welcome to the podcast, Shelby. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. How's it feel being our first ever guest for Broadcast Bulletin? I feel awesome. Um, yeah, I have a very interesting story, a little different than most people um, when it comes to the trajectory of it. So um, I'm hoping people learn from it. All right. Well, let's get right into it with our first question. You told us you knew you wanted to be in the industry since the fifth grade. So talk about that moment that you knew exactly this is the business I want to go into. This is for me. So, um, you know, back when you're in elementary school, you think, you know, I want to do these grand things, right? So for me, it was I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be an actress. 
Um, I was in the community theater in Collierville and just loved to write and journal. And then I also was a teacher's kid, which means I had connections <laughs> at the school. Um, so we had this field trip and they're in several different cities. It's called Jabiztown now. Um, it was called something prior. Um, but it basically kids what the adult world is going to look like. So it teaches economics and stuff like that. I learned how to write a check um, back then. So the whole thing is like six weeks of learning. And then you get to go on a field trip after that six weeks and go into this big warehouse, but it's set up like a town. Um, and you have done, um, interviews and stuff like that for people, um, like parents and stuff, and you've gotten jobs. And my job was the news reporter. It was a very coveted role because, um, I had those uh, contacts because my mom was a teacher. Um, I got that. And I just realized, you know, as a young person, I didn't realize exactly what journalism was, but I knew that my writing skills and my acting skills, you know, like my personality skills and wanting to be in front of a camera, um, they both were included in journalism. And so from then to like, probably my freshman year of college, I wanted to be an entertainment reporter. Um, and so that was kind of the track I wanted to be on. Um, but I loved all kinds of news for sure. That's really cool. So did you have an idol you looked up to in the industry when you were growing up? Yep. It's going to be everybody's when they say they wanted to be in entertainment news and they are in their 20s. Uh, Juliana Rancic uh, was a big one. She did the E! News uh, shows, red carpet and stuff like that. And then also Savannah Guthrie. I was in this study hall period, but I got to go into my TV production mm -hmm. and be in study hall for two hours. It was like this gap period every other uh, day. And um, for two hours, I would just sit and watch the Today Show. And it was before the Hoda and all that stuff. Um, so because it was so early in the morning, it was like second and third yeah. period. So I, I watched Savannah Guthrie a lot um, and just realized how she didn't have to be like super like pop and like super duper bubbly but she could do both the like really hard news and she could also do the entertainment and fun side as well she's just so versatile she's still awesome so how involved were you with um student media throughout high school and college you said you had a a tv production class in high school right so I was very, very involved. Um, I started my freshman year at the age of 14. I had already done my first package. It was not good, but it was a package. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I was all up in it. So I danced as a kid, but um, unfortunately had a back injury and had to stop my sophomore year of high school. Um, and my TV production teacher is also the speech and debate teacher. Um, and he was like, I really think you should try speech and debate. There's actually a TV news, um, portion of it. And I think you'd be good at it. So I actually ended up winning state junior year with that. I did the morning announcements from sophomore year because you couldn't do it as a freshman through senior year. Um, and so when I got to college, I was in a really cool situation. Um, where I already knew how to do everything. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. know how to do it well, because, you know, time, it takes time to do things, but I had the basics enough that a lot of people didn't have going into college that I was able to really excel um, at a really high rate. I did all the student media and stuff like that too. And I was absolutely obsessed. 
So you mentioned that you were originally into entertainment journalism. When did you decide to make that shift over to hard news? Probably my first year of college. Um, I kind of went through a season where first I figured out if you want to be in entertainment reporting, you basically have to, not all the time, but most of the time, try out like an actor. Um, you have to go to LA and, and do things like that. Um, whereas if you did the local news route, you can start in local news. And then the biggest thing for me was I learned that I didn't want to now, no offense to people who do entertainment reporting, but personally with my morals, I felt like I would be gossiping all day. Um, and, I kind of, you know, when you go to college, you are around people who are fighting for things and, and oh. want, you know, to better the world. And I thought I could do that more through local news than I ever could through entertainment. So how many applications did you send out for your first honor job right out of school before you got a yes? So my story is a little unique because um, I never sent any. <laughs> um, so my story is that I sent uh, several internship ones when I was a sophomore going into my junior year, which I graduated in three years. So it was my technically kind of junior going to senior year summer. Um, and uh, Memphis didn't take me. Channel five is what I applied to there in channel 24. And I never got any thing back from them. Um, and I was talking to someone in these, uh, Ole Miss has these days where, um, people from the industry will come in and critique your work. And I was talking to somebody from cool. WA and Tupelo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, listen, I'm, I live in Memphis. So, um, I didn't get any internships. Um, and he was like, well, it's really close. And you have a place you were living in Oxford. It's an hour from Oxford. Um, would you want to intern with us? He, he liked my work obviously and told me really good things about it. Um, so I said, yes. And so I took WTBA and Tupelo, um, that internship. And so through that, uh, I figured out that I, I, you know, knew a lot, uh, and I could do that job already. Um, they taught me a lot, but through the end of it, I was, I felt like it was almost like a, okay, I taught you how to do this now go and do it. Um, and so told the assignment editor um, that I was going to ask for a weekend job there. And then I went into the news director's office and I asked him for a job. And he said, no, that they weren't hiring any college. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's fine. Um, I just had to ask. And by the way, that was very not um, in my personality to do. I had mentors um there was a, a woman who worked at channel three in Memphis who I talked to on the phone because her child went to my mom's school. She, my mom's assistant principal. And, um, she told me to do that. So I did not want to ask, but she told me to do it. She said, if you feel like you can do the job, go ask for the job. Um, and was told no. And it was embarrassing, but they ended up calling me like three months later. Um, the guy who I told that I wanted the job, the um, assignment editor manager, um, he was like, Hey, I know the last news director wouldn't give you a job, but we have a new news director and he needs a weekend reporter. Do you want to do it? Uh, and so my last semester of college, I was already working um, on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday as a news reporter. And because of that, plus some, um, divine intervention and my father meeting the right people. Um, my, 
my dad, um, it was like my second week, uh, weekend on the job. And my dad called me and he was like, Hey, I met, um, a lady who works for Fox 13 because my dad's a firefighter and she took her son for a boy scout field trip to my dad's fire station. And my dad had my yeah. reel on his phone. <laughs> oh my God. And so he showed her that and she was like, actually that girl's good. And he, uh, Miranda, she's actually a friend of our family now. Miranda sent that to my uh, future uh, manager at um, Fox 13. So I then got a call from Fox 13 saying they were interested in me, but I had to do a lot of changes. So I had to cut my hair. My hair was about this long, um, which is now like about to my ribs. And he wanted it shoulder length or shorter. Um, And then he also wanted me to send every weekend my work from WTVA to him. He was like, the good or the bad, I'm going to find it. It's on TV. Send it all to me. And if I see that you're improving and that you will continue to improve at Fox 13, um, then maybe we'll hire you. And then after that, he came to my, sorry, it's long winded, but um, it'll make sense. He came to my school. He, he called one of my professors and he said he wanted to interview everybody at my school. So literally every senior was like clamoring to talk to this top 50 market person that came to our school um, and potentially wanted to hire people. And I couldn't tell anybody that they were coming because they saw me. And really he wanted to see like, are all these people like doing this good? Do I need to find somebody better? Um, And he ended up, um, talking with me that day. He was like, Hey, uh, come in for a real interview. <laughs> so I came for a real interview and got the job. And like two weeks after graduating, I started working at a top 50 market at age 21. Did you feel like you were ready for a top 50 market right out of school? Um, no, <laughs> no, I would tell people yes. Um, but really no. And I think that's where a lot of my struggle came in the next three years. Um, though it was a very hard job and it's easy to complain and say it was all the job's fault. It was very much my own fault, um, feeling inadequate. And I had a bunch of amazing mentors at Fox 13 telling me that I was not going to be successful there until I realized I was already successful there. Um, but I was, I was, I have a friend who was my age when she started there and she was ready for it. Um, because I think her personality, she was just ready for it. And, and me, I, I really wasn't, but I wasn't going to say no to an opportunity like that. I was, I was ready for it talent wise. I wasn't ready for it. Um, anxiety and pressure wise. Did you have to make any personal sacrifices in your first job out of school to make ends meet financially? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think sacrifices are definitely financial, but they're also definitely so many other sacrifices as well. Um, financially. Yes. Um, so Mm -hmm. because I was 21 and it was a top 50 market and I didn't feel like I, like I was definitely having imposter syndrome. I didn't, um, even try to get more money. So I was making $30,000 a year, which equals to under $15 an hour. And really, it's really, really, really important to try to get more money when you are in this industry and to definitely like 
negotiate. And I didn't. Um, and they knew this guy, uh, Matt, who was a wonderful manager, but he was also a business person. And he knew that I wanted this job. It was either this or working in Tupelo. And when you're 21 working in Memphis or Tupelo, personally for me, I was, I wanted to live in Memphis. Um, and I sacrificed living alone. Um, I lived with my parents all three years. I could have definitely made it work, but I wanted to save up money. And so, um, ended up, yeah, definitely, um, not going on vacations like I wanted to and, and living in my childhood bedroom for three years after college while also working. Did you ever have anyone ever come up to you and tell you that you were too young to be on the news? Yeah. Um, my first year was just a fight with that. I learned to wear heels and like pencil skirts and, and cut my hair to look older. Um, I had one time, uh, I just went live on television and then a fire chief in Memphis mistook me for being an intern. And I was like, I just went live on TV, (laughs) not an intern. So yeah, constantly I have a baby face anyways. So people thought I was 19 when it, it taught me a lot about life because it taught me how to present myself to others to make me seem older. Was there a time that you ever felt unsafe, especially when you were an MMJ and you were sent out by yourself? Did you ever refuse an assignment because you felt that it would put you in a dangerous situation? Absolutely. Yes. Several different times. And I tell people that all the time. If you were a young MMJ and you're hungry to prove yourself, your safety is not a way to do that. You need to say no if you feel unsafe because people will push you to your limits. Um, Like I said, my dad was a firefighter in a suburb of ours, but he had a lot of police friends in Memphis. And if you look at the Memphis stats, they're not great when it comes to violence. And so there were a lot of times where thankfully I knew the city a little more just by living there. And I knew I was not going alone there. And and people would even say, um, Hey, but like, police will be there. So you'll be fine. Just stay next to police. But police are sometimes the targeted people too, um, when it comes to violence and stuff. So it, it and that's not political, by the way, <laughs> that's not, I was not trying to get there. I was just saying like, police are not always the people that can keep you safe when they are also trying to do their job at a crime scene. Um, you, you have to be in charge of your own self and it's kind of selfish to try to put your safety in somebody else's hands when they have a job to do. Um, so yeah, a lot of times I said no and I hated saying no. Um, I got some eye rolls, but I am most proud that I stuck up for myself because that was not in my personality back in that day. Um, that I actually did say no to that. I should have said no a little bit more. But I didn't. <laughs> You've been pretty open talking about the mental health struggles you face while working as a reporter, including anxiety and panic attacks. You've also mentioned that being in news and reporting on crime, seeing dead bodies, things of that sort, kind of just flare that up. So talk about how you managed to cope through those struggles while you worked in the news industry. Well, let me just say not well. (laughs) My first panic attack was like my third or fourth weekend in news at WTBA. Um, I told um, the anchor there, the poor anchor, like I'm, I'm dying. I need to go to the hospital. And so I called my dad, who's paramedic firefighter. And I told him like, they're taking me to the hospital. Just letting you know, I'm like, something is very wrong with me. And I explained to him what I was feeling, you know, numb fingers, numb mouth, um, feeling like I was going crazy, feeling like I was having a stroke. And he was like, no, that's a panic attack. Um, 
welcome. Some people in your family have it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had no idea. And then from there, it was a constant struggle. I actually just got diagnosed a couple weeks ago with panic disorder. And to be brutally honest, just started on anxiety medication for the first time in my life. Um, because the things that I experienced in news, unfortunately, are coming up right now um, in my body physically. So um, I had in just being 27 and not 21 anymore, it's, it sounds young, but my body is tired of fighting these panic attacks. So um, yeah, it was, it was panic attacks. It was sometimes these anxiety days where it was like eight full hours of feeling anxiety. Um, the, the deadlines as a journalist, especially in news um, were just constantly on my heart. Like I just having a lot of like um, rapid heartbeat because of that. Um, and, and then that imposter syndrome and feeling like I was going to get fired all the time because I was the youngest person working, um, not only at my station, but in the whole market doing what I was doing. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Um, and then you add on all of the violence. I mean, I got into a fender bender, uh, a couple months ago here in Dallas and, um, everybody was okay. Um, but you know, it was my fault and it was on the interstate, um, it was during traffic. So we weren't going that fast, but I have seen so many dead bodies on the side of the interstate that I still am having trouble. Um, just trying to tell myself I didn't kill anybody and I wasn't going to kill anybody, but that stuff sticks with you when you see enough dead bodies. Um, and you not only have those dead bodies, but it's the aftermath. So you're there for several hours afterwards as, as the crime scene is uncovering. And so you have those moms of the 18 year old who was just killed, um, crying and screaming next to you. And it's a different scream than you will ever hear. And, and having like the girlfriend looking around and not knowing what to do. And, um, falling into your arms, the 21 year old, because you're there. And, um, I wasn't prepared for that. I was very sheltered, lived in Collierville, went to Ole Miss and came into a city that I thought I knew and definitely did not know. Um, and then the stress of, of saying like, why me, why am I not the one experiencing all of this violence? I'm 20 minutes away from this place. And I could easily be in these people's situations. Like I struggled in school growing up. If I lived in a different situation, I would have, you know, ended up having people I know dying from gun violence. And like, why wasn't that me? It was just, a, it was a lot for a very young person. Um, and I, I have to be honest about that because it's something that they do not teach you in school. So looking back on it now, do you regret the decision to jump to Fox 13 or a top 15 market right out of college? Would you rather have started maybe somewhere smaller? Yeah. You know, when I talk to um, a lot of people now, that's the advice I give, not necessarily to um, not make the decision that I did, but to really think about why you're making the decision you're making. So mm -hmm. I made the decision not to stay with WSMV, which I absolutely loved that station because I had this prideful feeling that I wanted to be the person that came out and got the highest market job from my school and was the cool person in my hometown. Um, and I didn't want to live in Tupelo, Mississippi, like a very much stereotyped Tupelo because I was 21 and just 
had this a very millennial view of the city and wanting to live in a big city. Um, but because of that, I didn't get a, a lot of opportunities to grow at my station. Um, my like very last couple of weeks, I got to anchor for the first time. Whereas I have friends who have gone to places like WTBA or at WTBA and um, are able to move up a lot quicker. And their news director is a lot more open to teaching them and like wanting to grow them for the future. Um, Whereas mine, I was in a top 50 market where they didn't have time to teach anybody or to grow anybody. They were just worried about um, getting to the next step as you would in a big city. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think if I could go back, I would have loved to see who I would have become if I would have stayed in Tupelo as a journalist, but I can't regret my decision because I met my husband in Memphis and I became a Christian in Memphis and, um, it has made me who I am, um, by making those decisions, you know, did you have an agent when you were working in the business? No, there's no need. Nobody get agents. No, 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 no. They take your money. <laughs> Everyone I know who has had an agent has said, don't do it. Um, you can do it. You can do it all. You can negotiate. Um, if you need, I mean, I got lucky. I married an attorney. So he looked through my contract, um, nice. but you don't need an attorney to look through your contract. You can do it yourself and make decisions um, yourself these big corporations are not going to change that much in a contract. Um, if they want you, they want you and they'll take you if you do the work and journalists don't make enough money to be giving 10% somebody else. So can you talk to us a bit more about your move from Memphis to Nashville? Why did you decide to leave Fox 13 and was the newsroom atmosphere at WSMB in Nashville any different from Memphis at all? Or was it all kind of similar? Yeah. So the reason that I moved is my three-year contract was up. Um, and I always basically since college and I realized I wanted to work in local news, my dream changed from being on E! News or Today Show to being an anchor in Nashville. That was the goal. I had family mm-hmm. there and I had been watching Nashville grow and I liked what it looked like. Um, and it was close <laughs> enough to my family, but still metropolitan. So um, when I met my husband, when we started dating in Memphis, I was like, I do not want to date a Memphis person because I don't want to live here forever. Um, I have a lot of friends who love Memphis. I love specific things about Memphis. It's just not the city for me. Um, so when I met my husband, he's from the Nashville area. And so it's like, okay, cool. Like if you're down to move to Nashville, we can keep dating. (laughs) And so that was our plan all along. We got engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got engaged in December and my contract was up in May. He was graduating in May and I, um, went online and I was like, I was, I was burnt out in Memphis. We both moved together. Um, we lived separately because we were still engaged, but we moved together to Nashville. Um, and I was like, okay, if I am going to choose, I'd rather live in Nashville over choosing to like apply all over, like most journalists do and figure out where you're going to live by what job you get. So it's like, I'm going to apply for the four and see what happens. And I applied for four and one messaged me back. And it was actually the one I wanted to work for anyways, um, WSMV. Um, and I, I knew somebody who one of the reporters is also from my hometown. So I had um, already talked to him about like what it was like there. And um, yeah, so I started working there and my, the newsroom was similar, but also different. 
Um, Nashville is just different than Memphis. It's, it's very much, especially then, um, but still is very much growing. And there is a lot of economic development. And there's also, um, it's the capital of Tennessee. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, so they don't cover as much violence as they do in Memphis. Not to say it's not there, mm. um, not what they focus on. Um, when it comes to the newsroom, they were very similar, though. Um, still very much deadline oriented. Um, great people. Like you get really close to your people there, especially like the photographers you work with every day. Um, and the deadlines were still definitely real. So when you were working in news, did they require you to have your hair in a certain way? And what was their reasoning behind that? Yeah. So I can um, say that, you know, in some contracts, um, it would literally say um, you cannot um, do anything to your hair unless wow. you get manager's permission first. Um, now, I don't think any of my managers acted that strict with me, but there it was definitely one of those things where it wasn't told like you have to cut your hair. Well, besides the first one, like if you want to get this job, we have to see that your hair is not really long. Um, but after that, it was just one of those things where it'd be like, you know what, Shelby, your hair would look a lot better, shorter in a bob. Like it would look a lot better in a bob or it would look a lot better with highlights or something like that. And then you just have to take that as like, you know, when your boss asks you to do something, you don't really say no. And so, yeah, I, I had um, a very terrible haircut. Unfortunately, I don't think men quite understand hair texture in women. And I had very thick hair um, and curly hair and Memphis is a humid place. So I look like Orphan Annie on TV sometimes, but they wanted to be short hair. So they got short curly hair. Um, well, I straightened it every day, but I got curly as the day went on. <laughs> Nashville, literally, that was one of my questions in the interview process. I was getting married. I was like, I'm, by the way, if you want me to cut my hair, um, I'm not doing that. And my manager was a girl there and she's like, that's fine. <laughs> So taking a look back at your career, what stories were you most proud of covering? Did you meet any cool, interesting people on the job? One really sticks out to me. I have a family friend in Collierville, Miss um, Brenda, and she, Miss Boyce, sorry, Southern woman. Um, so she was actually the first um, Black person in my elementary school. Everyone in my elementary school. I had no idea. My great grandmother and her mother were, um, they worked together grow, um, like back in the sixties or seventies, I believe. And so our families have all known each other. And it's something that I just never thought of as a white person, um, that my school in Tennessee had to be integrated at some point. And so I got to sit with her. She actually was re somebody reached out to her from a different station and said they wanted to do a story on her. And she said, no, um, I know somebody who is in news and she contacted my news station and I hadn't been in contact with her, um, even though some of my other family had been. And so I got to meet her there um, at my elementary school where I went to school and I decided to become a journalist and do a story on her integration and the hardships she went through. But she did it for me to be able to go to school with people of all colors. We still talk, like she still sends me Merry Christmas and stuff like that. And kind of bringing our families back together in a different generation than before has been really cool. And, and to kind of see how history, I was a history minor and to see how history that was actually not so past um, affected my future and being able to tell that story was really, really neat. I also got to meet Garth Brooks. He, um, 
ran into my live shot. He like crashed my live shot, uh, working one day. Um, I knew he was on site, did not know he was going to be in my live shot. And I totally fangirled and froze. It was the most embarrassing thing and also the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) I love Garth Brooks. Talking about leaving the industry in our initial conversation, you were pretty candid with your reasons for deciding to get out. Or as you put it, you left your dream. So can you tell us what factored into your decision to get out of the business? Are you happier being out of the industry now? Maybe more relaxed? Did you regret being in the industry at all? And would you consider re-entering the business? So a lot of things. Um, I was, like I said, when I was applying to Nashville, is that I was already one step out. Um, I was already saying, I'm not going to chase this dream. I'm going to either let it come to me by being in Nashville or I'm going to get a different job. Um, And then slowly, as even though it was a great place to work, um, I was slowly seeing myself out. Like I was just not in it like I wanted to be anymore. I was miserable with the panic attacks and just um, really not enjoying it like I used to. My attitude was not great. Um, and so as I, I tried to get out, I, I was still like trying to give it another chance. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm working mornings now. I, I love working mornings. Um, I had my weekends off with my fiance. So things are good. And then I was asked to move off of what I had been told. It wasn't in my contract, but I was told that I could stay on mornings. Um, I was actually told that I was not able to stay on there anymore and they were moving me to weekends. And so I didn't have a single day with my husband when we got married. That was like two weeks before we got married. So, um, I saw it really affecting my relationship and he was very patient and and wanted me to chase my dream, but it just didn't seem worth it anymore. When you love somebody, you just want to spend time with them. Um, and so COVID honestly slowly made me dwindle, um, People in news were not given breaks. That's why you see the great resignation right now is what people are calling it. Like a lot of people are leaving journalism because nobody got a break and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Um, It's unfortunately, I'm going to use a word that'll make you guys gasp, but it is kind of a dying field. I I don't think it'll actually die. I think it's going to be something is going to change in journalism. There will always be journalism, but right now it's in a weird place where broadcast news is starting to become a dying field in the way that it is now could change, but that would mean people in the industry are going to have to change it. Um, and I didn't want to stick around for those growing pains. Um, I was in a really great spot where my husband got recruited to work in Hawaii. And so I was able to take a step back without having to make that decision because I don't think I would have made it on my own. I think I would have stayed another three years in the news industry. Um, if I wasn't given a way out. And so that's what I did. I, I took that, took that out. And when I took it out, I thought to myself, there's a 50% chance that I'll get back into news after this. But as time went on, when I was out of the news industry, um, I was able to see, my health get better, even though like I am still dealing with panic attacks and having to get on medication and stuff like that. I actually do feel better. Um, and I am like processing through the stuff that I dealt with. Um, and I'm able to do things like today, sit and work from home instead of being outside. Like it was cool outside for the first time today. And I lived in Hawaii. So I live in Dallas now, but I lived in Hawaii for almost a year and never felt a cool breeze like this, um, while I was there. So it was a little bit of a 
jolt this morning when I let my dogs out. I was like, oh, it's cold. And the first thing that I was reminded of when I felt that coldness is standing outside in like 19 degree weather, having to report on the news when I could have been inside. But for some reason, broadcast news thinks more people will turn on their TV if I'm standing outside in the cold talking about something that's unrelated to the weather. Um, and just how miserable that was. And like, I got caught in the rain the other day and I was so glad I'm not having to sit out here telling people not to come out in this rain. And there's, if you ask anybody, any person who watches the news, they're always like, oh yeah, I always feel bad for that person. I wonder why they're standing out there. Like there's no reason for somebody to stand out there to tell you not to come out there. You can see it by pointing video out at rain that it is raining, you know? Um, yeah. I get it when it comes to like flood or like there's traffic or there's like a place where it's snowing and you shouldn't come to this specific place, but their news right now is doing something where they are desperately trying to get people to tune in, but they're not doing it in the ways that they should like working your people harder and doing things that look visually pleasing that are really, they look stupid to audience members. If you would actually ask people that are not in the TV industry, they're unnecessary. You're do, they're doing too much for so little return. Um, and, and that's why I don't think I'll ever get back into it unless something majorly, majorly changes in the next couple of decades, but short term, I can't do that to myself. Like some people can do it. Some people I know are thriving in the industry and it's just, they can do it well. So I never want to tell anybody not to go into it. I definitely would regret it if I never went into it. I'm so thankful for the time, the five years that I spent in it, but for my personal personality, it just doesn't fit with me anymore. So in a vlog you put up on your YouTube channel, you mentioned that once you and your husband moved to Hawaii, you ended up taking a job at Target. So what was it like going from the long hours of news to that? Super weird because I went from interviewing the president of the United States to a couple months later, having a 19 year old train me at Target. <laughs> I didn't have to work there, but I felt like I needed to, you know, I sat there for a month, not having a job. And, and Maui during COVID, there weren't a lot of opportunities. So a lot of people from around the island ended up working at Target when I did. Um, it was not fun. Um, but it was something to do and I got to feel like I contributed to the household. Um, but it was definitely not the favorite job of mine. Now, what was, is that during that time I started freelancing and doing content creation and content writing, which is how I got a full-time job here in Dallas as a content writer now. Um, and so I was able to bring my storytelling skills into my marketing, what I'm doing in marketing now through that time that I had to really learn what I wanted to do next. So what is your advice for someone who is just starting out in the business or like myself going to school for journalism? What about those who are in news right now? And like you said, they're burnt out. Yeah. So I think for people like you, Jacob, I think follow your heart and follow what you want to do and, and, and do it with no regrets. Um, and, and make sure you make some mentors and, and talk to mentors in the industry, because there are a lot of great people who know a lot. And I learned so much from them and was able to navigate that job so much better because I had them. I think when it comes to people who are burnt out, I actually had somebody, um, 
So there's this like Facebook group and I'm not going to say what it's called. Um, but it is a bunch of women who are either getting out of news or are thinking about getting out of news and going into a different workspace. And somebody asked, when is, when do you know it's time? And, um, I just said, you know, sometimes I want to shake you guys because you're talking right now is that you like, you like being liked and you like being, um, having a job that will like fulfill you through people knowing your name and stuff like that. And like, that's not worth the things that you're missing out on. If you want more time with your family and if you want your weekends, now there are some people who, and and I was one of them where in that certain point in my life, I was okay with missing out on that stuff. But as soon as you don't, don't do it. Um, if, if you start waking up more days, hating that you're doing something and hating that you're missing out on something, then, then look for something else. Um, you can always go back to it. I don't see why there's this, um, why in journalism that once you get out, you can never come back. But I know a lot of people have been able to come back. Well, on a very light note to end all of that, you're originally from the Memphis area as we've brought up several times in the podcast. And obviously it's one of the big barbecue cities. As someone who loves barbecue, what is your top recommendation for barbecue in Memphis if I or anyone else happens to find themselves there? What is a place that if I'm in Memphis, I must try? Oh my gosh. Um, find a hole in the wall. Um, okay. I think I'm going to say this wrong and I hope it's not wrong, but I think it's called Jim's Barbecue. It's in South Memphis, um, which carnival girl like me um, would have never known about. Um, oh goodness. I hope it's Jim's, but there is just like this really, really good barbecue place in South Memphis. That's awesome. But there are so many that it's hard to say. Um, and if you are a tourist and you just want to get somewhere easy and have some good barbecue, central barbecue is a good option. There are so many in Memphis, um, that you can just find and get their nachos really good. And then, um, I like commissary. It's in my hometown. Um, and there's also one in Germantown, the original, and it's really good. We had it at our like rehearsal dinner, which is a very Memphis thing to do, but those two are the biggest ones and they're pretty good. Not going to lie. All right. So before we let you go, one more question, where can our uh, millions of viewers and listeners, well, not yet anyway, hopefully someday millions of listeners and viewers connect with you on social media. Yeah. So um, right now I am not doing much on my Facebook, Shelby Sanson Stevens. Um, it used to be my news reporter one, and I'm not doing much right now, but if you want to go click like, I will update that briefly and let people know as my career goes on. Um, I'm now more into LinkedIn, Shelby Sanson Stevens, and then um, Instagram for now, the handle is Shell by the Seashore. I got to figure out something more tech now. So those are my main ones that I'm on. Shelby, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and being our inaugural guest here for Broadcast Bulletin. We really appreciate it. Very thankful you had me on. I'm excited for this. And thank you, the listener, for taking the time to join us. It means so much to us that you've joined us for the very first episode. Our second episode, as we'll tease here in just a second, will bring an absolute news legend to the podcast. They retired this past May, and if you live in South Texas, you definitely know their name. But before we go, just one more reminder, we're on all major podcast sites. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and others. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast site and leave us a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts so more you can find us. We're on YouTube, 
So please subscribe at youtube.com slash C slash broadcast bulletin. We're on Instagram at broadcast bulletin. Please give us a follow there and we'll give you the latest news about the podcast and upcoming guests there as well as exclusive content that you will not see anywhere else. Broadcastbulletinpodcast.com is our online home where you'll find full episode listings, biographies of Jacob and myself, and our email where you can contact us to suggest guests, questions, or just leave feedback in general about the show. We release new episodes every Thursday. For Jacob Books, I'm Jim Sten, and we'll see you next Thursday for episode two with Joe Gazin. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Bulletin. Next Thursday on Broadcast Bulletin, we're going to be talking to Joe Gazin, a former weeknight anchor in Corpus Christi, Texas. Joe worked in the industry for over 40 years. He'll tell us, among other things, how he got into the industry. In junior high sometime, I was kind of bitten with the idea that I should do something in the performance arts. What brought him to Corpus Christi? Then in in 1977, I got the opportunity to come to Corpus Christi, Texas, and some things viewers were surprised to learn about TV news. They might be surprised to learn that it's actually being done live. That's next Thursday, wherever you find new episodes of Broadcast Bulletin. The views and opinions expressed by the guests in this episode of Broadcast Bulletin are solely theirs. They do not reflect those of their past or present employers, nor those of Broadcast Bulletin or its hosts in any way.